1: Boy, it feels good to be back. NBA Sound System live across the NBA global networks. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. Scott, uh, good to hear your voice, my man.
0: It's good to hear yours as well, although I'm not going to lie, Carlin. You, you've got me stressed out about today's show because of what we're <laughs> going to talk about. Um, you know me. I struggle to make a decision. I always sit on the fence. And today you're going to you make me
1: make some hard decisions. So... Other than that, I'm great, but I'm nervous about this this one. You know, you know what, and we're of course alluding to our all NBA teams, which we'll get into here in a second. But I actually, uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll break down what okay. that looked like for me in uh, in my decision making a little later on in the program. Uh, we'll also discuss the Los Angeles Lakers and their impending playoff run, uh, postseason run, which will have to go through the playing tournament that uh, it seems like everyone that is in that position absolutely hates. But once they're out of it, don't doesn't think it's a bad idea uh, for the league. We'll give you our thoughts on that. But first, we've got to start with the biggest news of the year. Uh, it, it is awesome to see history. Anytime you see it, it is just a great thing. And last night, watching the Wizards uh take on the Hawks in Atlanta, knowing that Russell Westbrook was a couple rebounds away from setting a record that many thought would be unbreakable. I sat up in my seat. I did not switch channel during commercials. Normally, my normal NBA watching routine, Scott, If you, if you, and you're probably the same way, I bounce around. I, as soon as there's a break in action, I'm off to the next game on NBA League Pass that wasn't the case for me last night i stuck with that wizards game through most commercial breaks because i wanted to see history and even when he achieved history and the history is he's now officially uh the triple double king the most triple doubles in nba history breaking oscar robinson's record that lasted for almost 50 years uh which is a, a amazing feat 47 years to be exact and he's played less than 100 fewer games, exactly 100 fewer games, actually, than Oscar Robinson in doing so. It is an incredible record, 182 triple doubles, and uh, or 83, rather, was was the, the record setter. He tied it on the weekend with 182, got the record setter 183 in, unfortunately, what came as a loss to the hands of the Atlanta Hawks. I know Russ will talk about that, and, and, and the Wizards will talk about that, because that does impact the, you know, the fight that they're in right now for the playing game. But we don't care about what the Wizards do, win or loss record-wise. We care about you know, the historical context, and we, we do have to put it into context what Russell Westbrook is doing. I know a lot of people kind of, over the years, last couple of years, and not just because Russ is doing it, because more players in the NBA have been doing it, have been downplaying the triple-double. But I'll be the first to tell you, it is not easy. To have a triple double in an NBA game, or any basketball game for that matter, and there was a lot of players out or people out there that I would say, um, you know, kind of pointed the finger at Russ while he was going through his triple double resurgence in the NBA, his his MVP season. The year after that, called him a uh, a triple double hunter. And even if that's the case, it's still not easy to pull off a triple double. So I want to sit here and give credit where credit is due. Um, Russell Westbrook is a tremendous player. The fact that he's still doing this at the age that he's at with the amount of work that he's had to do on his body to get back to health uh, it is incredible. And the fact that we have now seen, been alive for, and watched four seasons, potentially four seasons, where he's averaged a triple-double when many thought that wouldn't even happen ever in the NBA is incredible. And congratulations to Russell Westbrook. He's now Mr. Triple-double 183 triple doubles that is awesome and he deserves all the flowers that he gets
0: and that's coming from someone who didn't didn't you claim you could grab was it five rebounds in an nba game you thought you could or was it just one or two It okay okay Okay. either way um no you're right i mean anytime (laughs) anyone makes history it's awesome to to see it witness it live be around be able to talk about it um and it's funny there was a video that i saw going circulating around on twitter today from several years ago and it was it was nba legends like magic johnson jason kidd gary payton saying how you know oscar robertson's triple double record will never be touched like they can never imagine someone doing that and it's always been this one of those unbreakable records like wilt's 100. um and to your point you know the fact that Russell westbrook did it that first season became the first player since oscar's average triple double and then he's done it what two or three more times since then at this age he's still putting up triple doubles on a nightly basis. I mean, he, he had, I looked this up, he had eight triple doubles in his first six seasons combined. He has eight triple doubles in his last nine games. Like what he's doing is just unreal. And like you said, if it was easy, other players would do it. Um, and, and I mean, there. Are, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that like LeBron, if he put his mind to it, could do anything. You know, like that one season that Wilt was just like, I'm going to lead the league in assists, and he did it. I feel like LeBron could do pretty much anything. Lead the league in scoring five times. He could. We saw him lead the league in assists last year. I think if he put his mind to it, he could average a triple-double. But the reality is, he's never done it. Only one other person in NBA history has done it other than Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook and he's done it this many times. Um, and it's unbelievable. And the other thing, too, is that It's not like he's just getting like 10, 10, and 10 every night. You know what I mean? Like, you look at the numbers. It's one of those things. If you're not awake or you're not paying attention to the NBA when Russell Westbrook is playing right now, you wake up the next day scrolling through Twitter or looking at the scores. Like, last night he had 28 points and 21 assists. Do you know what I mean? Like the other night he had 14, 24 assists and 21 rebounds. Like when, again, he's not just scraping by here. The numbers that he's putting up are absolutely absurd. And I know stats generally are kind of inflated this season across the board. But like you said, it it just doesn't take away from it. And anytime someone makes history, if it was this easy, it'd be done many other times before. So yeah, the the triple-double king, Russell Westbrook, has a nice ring to it and he
1: deserves it. Absolutely. He really does. He's he's changed, uh, I think, a lot of people's minds about uh, the triple double by achieving this record, because, as you said, not many people expected this record to even be you know touched. And mm-hmm. I remember when Jason Kidd was getting triple doubles and the question was asked to him and he, he, he thought, you know, at the time in the mid 90s, he, he basically said there's no chance of me, you know, achieving that. And they made a big deal about every triple double that Jason Kidd would grab, uh, you know, comparing him to Oscar, comparing him to Magic. And he has less than 100 for his career, right? Like, I think he's at 99, if I'm not mistaken, for his entire career. And Russ (laughs) almost has 100 more than that (laughs) and still has plenty tread left on the tire. Like, the the record is going to get extended if he continues to do what he's doing right now. And, um, you know, it it is amazing, amazing what he's doing. And then, you know, add into the fact that. You look at all the triple double guys that you know uh, from years past, and, and the two main ones that come up are Oscar Robinson and, and Magic Johnson. And then you look at you know as you mentioned, if LeBron put his mind to it, he'd probably be able to do it. I put Jokic in that category as well. He's probably mm-hmm. he's pretty close to averaging a triple double right now. Um, you know, I think he's two assists shy right now as a big man. That's crazy. That's uh, that it would is. be an incredible feat. And the reason why he's likely going to be the MVP. But all those guys I mentioned, those are big players. Russell Westbrook is 6'3", You know, mm-hmm. he's a 6'3 guard. He really shouldn't have any business, uh, you know, plucking the rebounds that he does at the level that he does it at, and you know, competing uh, with other big men to, to go and grab boards. Like because you know, Oscar Robinson was a big guard. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Magic Johnson was a power forward playing guard. Same with LeBron James, and and we know what Jokic is uh, as a as a center. So. You know all the credit in the world to russ um you know I, I, I want to make mention that you know a guy that came into the league where many people said he's a score first guy he's been averaging 10 assists at least in five of the last six seasons and led the league and leading league right now in, in the last three of the last four seasons um in terms of leading the league in assists and the only reason why he didn't do it last year he, he played alongside james harden which would have been tough for him to really do that mm. with the amount of you know rock james harden has and he still was able to find seven assists in that situation. Um, it, it, Russell Westbrook is an incredible, you know, feat, incredible athlete. I do hope at one point in his career he'll be able to get back to the finals again and really compete uh, with the spotlight on him in a championship series. That would be great for me to see, and hopefully it happens sooner rather than later.
0: We should mention uh, Luca as well, by the way. But I mean, he still fits the yes. same mold in a, a six foot seven point forward, however you want to label it. Um, and I know I know Russ in the past, and I, I'm guilty of it too. Um, I'm, I've not been Russell Westbrook's you know biggest supporter throughout his career, but um, you know he gets a lot of. Kind of uh, people kind of pick on him for stat padding, especially when it comes to rebounds. But he had a huge offensive rebound the other night. His ability to you know grab and go, grab a defensive rebound and push the pace in transition. Where he's consistently among the league leaders in scoring and things like that. Like those rebounds do have a ton of value. Not maybe not every single one, but it does feel like you know at least once or twice a game he pulls down like a very important rebound. Especially now with basically every single game being important for the Wizards and what feels like every single game is close. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I, it it is it is an incredible accomplishment and like you said too i mean he's not he's not necessarily young at least you know as we talk about NBA players and for a guy who's always been known for his athleticism for his ability to kind of leap out the building go from zero to 60 in you know two seconds what it feels like for him to still be able to do these things and continue to be like we've seen not to pick on Blake Griffin but like we've seen the toll that like knee injuries have taken on him athletically and Russell Westbrook has had a a fair amount of knee issues in his career and he's still doing this at this age Um, it's just it's incredible all around and I'm kind of glad that and again, I'm guilty of it as well. But I'm kind of glad that we've got away from like the ring conversation with Russell Westbrook, um, and kind of just like he's in a situation now where he's on a Wizards team that's not that great. Like, let's be honest. But he's he's doing his thing, leading them to the playoffs alongside Bradley Beal, and it just feels like we can appreciate him more than him being in a situation like Houston last season. Do you know what I mean? Where every single right. little thing he does, right or wrong, gets picked apart. So it, it I, it's just it's just been a nice season in that regard for him as well.
1: Yeah, there's plenty uh, of things that you can say about Russell Westbrook to nitpick him um, and there's plenty of time to do that. I don't think the next 48 hours is the time allow him to bask in the glory because he definitely deserves to be praised for what he has done to the NBA record books. And now you cannot talk about the NBA as a story. You cannot tell the NBA story without mentioning the name Russell Westbrook. So it's awesome. Congratulations, Russ. Alright, let's talk about the Lakers. Another franchise. Speaking of uh, uh, things that you cannot talk about the NBA or tell the NBA story that you you can't mention. Uh, The Lakers are the marquee franchise, right? That's them, Boston Celtics, and the New York Knicks. Whatever order you want to put them in. Uh, And they are the defending NBA champions. That is a fact. They walked through the bubble um, almost unscathed, really, you know, after a lot of people had worries about them leading into the first round playoff series. They lose game one. It was like panic central. They go and win the next four. And after that, there was no doubt in people's minds by the time that they raised the Larry O'Brien trophy that they deserved to be the NBA champions this season. It's a little different. There is a lot of questions uh, and most of them surround health. And that is outside of the Lakers' control. You and I have had this conversation many times over the last two weeks about our concern level about the Lakers and Mm -hmm. their potential postseason run. I am of the belief that everything will be okay. I am the uh, dog sitting in the burning room, uh, that that meme (laughs) saying that this is fine. Uh, I am still going to blindly pick the Lakers to make it out of the Western Conference. I just cannot see that if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both standing on the floor on an NBA floor uh, that another and I think this actually has less to do about just the Lakers, but and more to do about the teams that are going to have to try and knock them off. I don't believe in another team to be able to knock them off like the Clippers are a great team championship caliber team. I have to see it first. The Jazz have had an incredible season. I have to see it first. The Suns are too young. Uh, you could go down the list, and 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 there's flaws. I think with every single team in the Western Conference, including the Los Angeles Lakers. But I believe that the Lakers can get past a lot of their flaws because their major flaw that they have to me isn't on the court. It is just the, the, you know staying healthy. And if they are healthy, then they'll be fine. Where do you sit on it? I'm more concerned than you are because.
0: Um, just from an injuries perspective, Anthony Davis has looked great lately, which is a huge positive for them, but he, he's kind of you know been battling injuries all season long, and I do wonder if the injuries that he's dealt with will kind of linger for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, he's looked great lately, so maybe that's not the case, but it's just it's something in the back of my mind. And I think, I mean, let's be honest. The Lakers repeating as champions hinges on LeBron James being the best player in basketball again, right? Do you agree with that? Uh... I... Cause I... <laughs>
1: I don't know if he has to be the best player. I do think that he has to be a top five player. Okay.
0: Either way, I have no... Like, if LeBron runs through the Western Conference again, I wouldn't be surprised. At this point, everyone should know not to doubt him. However, the fact that he's dealing with this ankle injury and he already tried to come back from it and then it seemed like he re-aggravated it, Mm -hmm. being the age that he is, I know he's superhuman. I know this so many times in the past where he shrugged things like this off before. I just were like it, it, it. It does concern me a little bit that he's dealing with a high ankle sprain, a pretty bad injury that he will, I'm assuming, feel for the rest of the season, and just how much of a workload is going to be on him as soon as he comes back, basically. Because fortunately for them. Being the potentially the seventh seed in the Western Conference, they're going to have two bites at the apple and make in making the playoffs, right? right? So even if they play the Warriors, Steph goes nuts, drops sixty, it's not the end of the world. They will have to be one of the Grizzlies and Spurs and still have an opportunity to make the playoffs. So it's not like you know win or go home necessarily off the bat, but it's not going to be easy for them. Um, and again, I this this is I hate doing this because I, putting myself in the same sentence as, Le, as LeBron is just ridiculous but like, I've had a, I have I had a high ankle sprain in my final year in college playing basketball. And I right. felt that injury for six months. And I did not have around the clock treatment. I did not have all this, whatever. But it's just like, it is not a, a fun injury. Like, let's be honest about it. And I will push back as well a little bit on the, the thing of not having any on-court concerns with the Lakers because yes, LeBron and AD together, they've proven it. We know they're the best duo in the NBA when they are healthy. But I still think there's a huge question mark at center for them. I was more optimistic than most. It seemed like at the time of them getting Andre Drummond, that has not worked out. I still kind of, I don't know how to evaluate that because I think you can only evaluate Andre Drummond when he's playing next to LeBron because, that's going to force him to do more of the things that play to his strengths rather than right, right now. He's probably getting more of the ball than he, than he should be and all that. So I just don't know how to evaluate that, but they're kind of running out of time to figure out that chemistry between them. And then, you know, let's say they do play the Denver Nuggets in the first round. Like, is he going to be prepared to go up against Nicole Jokic? Because if he's not, then like, is Marcus Gasol prepared to play 20 minutes a game, which he hasn't done in a long time, being in and out of the lineup? What about Montrez Harrell? We saw how that worked out last year when he tried to, to play against Jokic. And obviously... They still have the AD at center card that they can play. But I, I just – look, again, Like it wouldn't surprise me if this team wins it all again because I, I'm not going to count LeBron and AD. But I, I do have – there is some doubt in the back of my mind just based on the way that these last couple of weeks have played out and the injuries that they're dealing with. Um, I, and I think they've been lucky, to your point, that – you know, Kawhi and PG have dealt with some injuries this season. Um, obviously, the Nuggets, what happened to them with Jamal Murray, like some of the better teams in the West feels like they lost like a little bit of firepower over the last month or so, which may help them. But um, but I mean, the, the West is still crazy competitive. And I think um, I, I just I wouldn't be shocked if they, got, if they lost in like the second round, for example.
1: I actually think that this is a small blessing in disguise for them falling into the play-in tournament. Granted, it's not going to be easy going up against Steph because we know what he can do in a one-game scenario, and they could very much lose that game. I don't know that I can – I can't see a world where the Lakers go 0-2 in a play-in tournament because that's basically two game sevens for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and I just don't see that happening. So I'm assuming that they make the playoffs, and if they make the playoffs – And it's going to be either the seventh or eighth seed. And I think that actually ends up being the best case scenario for them because they avoid teams like the Nuggets. They avoid teams like the Clippers. They avoid having a matchup against Luka Doncic in the first round who could very much get hot and Dame Lillard who get hot. They end up playing the Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. I already said before. I think the Suns are young. They have they've had a great season. Chris Paul is probably the only one on that team with real playoff experience. Maybe uh, you could throw Jay Crowder in there as well. But outside of that, he hasn't had a tremendous playoff uh, success Chris Paul. This is a guy that has never made the conference finals. So if I'm LeBron and AD, I'm looking at that saying, okay, you know, they've they've had a great season. They are going to be tough. Every team in the conference, in, in the playoffs is going to be tough. But we have a mental edge over this team. They they don't know what it's like to get to that next level to win. And the same thing goes for the Utah Jazz. All the pressure is going to be on the Utah Jazz in a scenario where they play the Lakers and which is is weird to say because it's a one it's going to end up being a potentially a one-eight matchup and everybody will be expecting the Utah Jazz to prove that the last 6 months of basketball meant something, especially after giving up a 3-1 lead in the first round a year ago. The Lakers might end up and and, and it'll it'll be a wash. I don't think the Lakers will be an underdog because they're Lakers, but it will be a wash. And for the Lakers to enter a playoff series against the number one seed in the conference and it be a wash is is a plus for them because the pressure is going to be totally off. They get rolling in in, in round run and then look out. They're going to be in trouble. You know, you're going to be in trouble from there on out. So I, I do think that if they fall and and, well, they are right now in the play play in scenario. If they stay there and play one of the top two seeds, which is right now is Utah and Phoenix in the first round of the playoffs. I think that ends up being the best case scenario for them. It allows them to kind of jog before they have to sprint in the first round of the playoffs. It it might take them a little bit longer to knock those teams out and that could you know, the the window for injury uh, risk of injury kind of opens up a little bit bigger, but At least they know that they have a kind of quote unquote championship mentality or advantage over these two teams. They get past those two teams and then they get rolling. And I think that would be scary for the rest of the Western Conference.
0: The thing about the Jazz, too, that it feels like is not getting really talked about, at least not nationally, is that Donovan Mitchell hasn't played since nearly a month, April 17th, after getting that ankle sprain. And, you know, they're running out of time to kind of ease him back. And to your point, like, if he doesn't play, I mean, who knows if he's going to play another regular season game, but let's say he doesn't or he only gets one under his belt or something, that first game could be game one against the Lakers, LeBron AD, um, or even potentially Steph and the Warriors. So it's... That that and and the Jazz have been pretty good without Donovan Mitchell. Um, they're a super deep team. It's not like he's the only piece, but I do think he is their mo- most important piece in the playoffs because of what he can do. Kind of at the end of game, at, at end of games, take over the offense and everything like that. So, um, it, it is crazy though to hear you say like <laughs> the lake is falling to the seventh or eighth seed could work out best for them. Just just on the surface, just saying that is ridiculous. But I, I see what you're saying because yeah. I've been super high on the Suns all season long. I love them. But there's just, I I feel like Devin Booker is going to be good in the playoffs. But I mean, to your point, like we've, we've just never seen him in that stage before. And staying for DeAndre Ayton, he's going to have a really big workload in the playoffs because of the amount of bigs that the the Suns are going to see potentially between, you know, the first round and the finals if they made it that far. So there's just, and, and Mikel Bridges, this is going to be his first postseason. So they have a lot of youth on their roster. And as incredible as Chris Paul has been this season, you know, you, you don't want to, I, I don't know if he's capable of going for. You know, back-to-back thirty-point games in the playoff series at this point of his career. Maybe he is, and I'll look silly when we uh, <laughs> kind of review this in a month's time or whatever. But as that, it just feels like quite a lot of pressure on him for such a young team. Um, you know, even keeping in mind with how good they've been this season. So, it it all I know is that whoever did come up with the playing tournament, this is probably working out exactly as they wanted it to be. To to think that we're going to get Lakers Warriors potentially as that first game in the play-in tournament, LeBron against Steph Curry. Um, you know, these guys just can't get away from each other and then um you know whichever one of those team loses that second game against either the memphis or san antonio so
1: that the, the playing games are sure going to be fun that's what it's going to shape it's kind of shaping up to be it's that uh playoff series that we never got in the first year that lebron was in la everyone mm-hmm. you know after that christmas day blowout that the lakers put on uh on the warriors and lebron got injured in that game Everyone was kind of licking their chops and saying, "Oh, we, we might be able to see a LeBron Steph on the same side of the bracket in the playoffs," and that never happened. So, a one game, I'll, I'll take the one game uh, tournament. Indeed, so uh, maybe give that person a raise. Whoever created this play in tournament, <laughs> give him a raise. Uh, all right, let's move to the uh, All-NBA. Let's earn your money, Scott, and, oh, no. and, and move to All-NBA because this is tough. It's a tough year. There's a lot of great players uh, in our league. Our league is healthy. That when, anytime I look at these All-NBA teams, All-Defense, or even All-Rookie, I just look at the state of the league right now, and you look at the talent that we have on a nightly basis, and sometimes I think we take it for granted the amount of great players that we have in the league at one time. And and the All NBA really, if you, if you try to do it yourself and, and figure out the three teams, you really get to see because you you leave off names and saying to yourself, "Man, this guy's had a great season," but I, I just can't put him on, and that's a good sign, you know. If you if you're coming down to the last three uh, slots and you're saying to yourself, "Well, I don't know who I could put here," that would be a problem. But it's it's the reverse of that, and it happens at All Star as well to a lesser extent. But I think All NBA really shines a light on it uh, to how good the league has been and how 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 many great players we have on a nightly basis, bouncing the ball and putting in the hoop. So uh, it, where, where do you want to start? I, I think I think we'll, we can make this quick with the centers. There is no debate with the centers, and I hope you didn't cheat and put Embiid as a forward, because I know that he's an option as a forward, and so is Jokic. I hope that didn't happen, um, but the center's <laughs> position is very easy. It's Jokic, Embiid, Gobert. You decide what team, one, two, or three you want to put them on. Me personally, I want Jokic first, Embiid second, and Gobert third. I'm with you. I will
0: say though, the fact that Embiid is eligible for forward did kind of, Well, it, it is nonsense, but it, it did, it's really hard to figure out what to do here because I think there's an argument to be made that that Embiid has been the second best player in the league this season. I mean, he, he's probably gonna finish second on the MVP val- ballot. And the fact that he's eligible for first team, I feel like that's just, you know, a lot of people are gonna do that. But, but one thing that uh, I think the ring's Kevin O'Connor made a really good point about is that if you do put Joel Embiid at first team forward, it it makes the third team center complicated because then you're basically going to give that spot to a Carl anthony Towns, a Bam Adebayo, and that's nothing against them. But I do feel like there are more forwards who deserve to make the All-NBA team than those guys do. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of has like a, a ripple effect in that regard. So for me, also because... I mean, Joel Embiid does not play forward. So for me, if we are going to have these positions, I do feel like you kind of do have to adhere to those. Even if he is eligible, he is a center. So for me, yes, I had the same. I had Jokic first team, Joel Embiid second team, and then Rudy Gobert third team.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Embiid has had a season that is worthy of the first team. But guess what? That's too bad. You, know, you should have been better than Jokic all year long, and we would have put you on the first team as a center, as you should be. Um, and Jokic is not only going to be the first team center; he's likely going to be the MVP. Two of the awards that Embiid was campaigning for um, this season, and a month after that, you know, it, it, his body failed him, and he wasn't able to, you know, keep up with uh, with the pace of the season. And you got to give Jokic the credit where that is due. And then also, I didn't—I had a real struggle finding that fourth center. I I mm-hmm. tossed in Bam. Bam would have been my fourth. Um, it had I had to go into that well, and it just didn't feel right putting him on uh, on All NBA this. season. so I left him off. That's a little spoiler alert for my my third team eventually. Mm -hmm.
0: And Clint Capella, we should mention him as well. I I wouldn't have had him on an old NBA team, but he's been fantastic this season. And I feel like if there was an opening at third team, he's probably one of the people that I would have given given consideration to. Agreed.
1: All right, let's go to the guards. Um, I'm going to list off the guards here who I considered to be an all NBA guard, who have all having terrific seasons. Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, CP3, Dame, Jimmy Butler James Harden Kyrie Irving uh, Jalen Brown Bradley Beal Devin Booker Donovan Mitchell do you think I missed anyone Uh, I really just tried to list all the guards I think are worthy of being in the discussion for one of the three teams
0: did you mention Bradley
1: Beal I did um
0: no that sounded about right to me um Yeah, I I have some some people that, uh, this is another thing. It's like you you just said Jimmy Butler, but he's forward eligible as well. So I feel like that's something else we're going to get into. But no, that, that sounded about right
1: okay so first team here we go steph curry for me is a lock on the first team i don't think there's a debate about that if I'm this guy's going to finish top five in mvp voting how could you not have him as one of the t- two best cards in the league uh when he might be the the highest ranked guard on the mvp list ballot at the end of the season he's had a terrific season he's carried uh, a golden state warrior team that honestly uh, you know, you would have to Google some of the players that are on the team this year, especially some of the guys that are coming off the bench. Uh, outside of him and Draymond Green, and, and maybe some Andrew Wiggins, uh, love because he's had a decent season. Um, this Warriors team would be, uh, it would probably have a, a same similar record to the Timberwolves. <laughs> it, I mean, we, we saw, saw it. last year, we yeah, saw what we happened saw last that. year. So, so. Um, Steph Curry's been terrific. The other guard spot, it was a toss up between two names, uh, and that's Chris Paul and Luka Doncic. I mm-hmm. went with Chris Paul here um the reason being is if this was an all-star you know my argument for all-star was i didn't really care about records it was more about the star power of uh you know a player and i also didn't care about defense it was more so you know it's an offensive showcase so let's get the best offensive players there all nba is different for me i think you have to take into account an all-around game and also the impact on winning and the fact that the phoenix suns just had a terrific season, getting into the top two in the Western Conference, uh, basically off the back of the work of Chris Paul. I know the numbers statistically isn't there. He doesn't score a ton of points. He's not he's not leading the league uh, uh, in any category. But what he brings to the table on both ends of the floor, I could not ignore. And I'm sorry, this year Luca has to go to his team two. I have CP3 and Steph in my backcourt for team one. I'm with you with Steph.
0: There's no debate there. Uh, I think he's arguably arguably been the best guard in the league this season. He's the last what he's been doing over the last like six weeks, I think, might be just the greatest shooting stretch we've ever seen from anyone in NBA history. And it's just so much fun to watch him every night. You know what I mean? Like I, I wrote an article not long ago about the the connection that he has with Draymond Green and how it's it's stronger than ever. And the thing that just jumped out to me when just going through and watching all these assists from Draymond Green, Steph Curry is how the two of them together just punish every single team for making the smallest of mistakes. Like if you just blink or you you take your eye off of Curry for one second, he's cutting backdoor for a layup or he, he's, you know, cutting to the corner um, for a catch and shoot three. And yeah, you may get a hand up and contest it, but that's all he needs to get a shot off and make it. So it's, it's incredible what he's doing. So I have no, there's no argument there for me. For the second spot i had luca and i'm not necessarily mad at you putting chris paul at first team but the thing for me is i mean we, we talked about it a little bit at the at the start when we we're talking about russell's triple doubles russell westwick triple doubles luca's basically averaging like 28 7 and 7 numbers we've seen from a handful of guys in nba history the numbers are pretty similar um the raw stats to last season but his efficiency is up he's shooting a career high from the field a career high from three he is Dallas's offense. Everything revolves around him. If it, if he wasn't on that team, they would it's a, it's a similar argument for Steph, I think. Like this team would be in the lottery if Luka wasn't on it. Um and to be fair, like we, we saw the the Suns go 8-0 in the bubble last year and Devin Booker is having an all-NBA worthy season. Spoiler, I do not have him on one of my teams, but I think he deserves consideration for the way that he's played and the pieces on the Suns, I, that that team just makes a lot more sense um, and is a better constructed team from top to bottom, I think. So it is it, it is close because I, I think Chris Paul has had a tremendous impact on that team. And we're probably talking the difference between if he wasn't there, the Suns maybe being a six to eight seed or, or maybe even fighting for that playing spot. And right now they're, they're still fighting for number one with Chris Paul. So I'm not mad at it. I would just have Luca ahead of him because of the workload that he has, the numbers that he's putting up, how incredible he is um, and, you know, we saw what he did in the playoffs last season. I don't know if they're going to win a first round series. I don't know how far the Mavs, the Mavs are going to go. But I do know that no team is going to want to play Luke in the first round just because of what he can do.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not mad at the Luca. I'm not mad at the Luca pick there. He would have been my pick had Chris Paul not had the season that he had and had Phoenix changed the way that they did. And I, I do find it funny that people bring up the, the I'm not just picking on you, but I do find it funny that people bring up the 8 0 for Phoenix in the bubble. But they went 8 0 and still finished five games under 500. Like it wasn't like they were a good team. They were a bad team. They finished 10th in the Western Conference. Okay, after wait, wait. Stringing together eight wins. Desperately at the end of the season, they're five games under 500, are now up to the second seed in the Western Conference, and, and potentially could finish with one of the two best records in the entire NBA. It's a complete it, it's it's a complete difference. Twenty eight games over 500 versus finishing five games under 500 after going eight and no scraping through. They weren't a good team last year. I'm sorry, they just weren't. Okay, so what, what
0: are we what are we going to do about DeAndre Ayton being suspended for for 25 games? So nearly yeah, a third yeah, of the season. That, that's that, that's important. That's huge. That is fair.
1: That is fair. Yeah. And, but DeAndre Ayton being suspended for 25 games in season wouldn't have put them in the second seed. It no, it wouldn't. But that's close. my point.
0: Like going into the season without Chris Paul, maybe they're they're in that six to ten range, so they're still fighting for the playoffs. But uh, I, I'm not denying it. Chris Paul has had a tremendous impact on the team. But um, I just think there's. Like Devin Booker is having a fantastic season. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, what do you do about him? How much credit do you give to him versus Chris Paul? Um, so it, just, just those kind of questions to me. I, I just I feel better about having Luca first team over Chris Paul. But again, I I, I it, the thought crossed my mind. I'm not mad at it. Chris Paul's had a fantastic season. So I, I'm not mad at it. I would just personally have Luca
1: ahead of him. That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. That's, that's totally fine. All right. Second team. We both, uh, I, I am assuming that Chris Paul's on your second team, so we don't have to debate he on is. that. Uh, Luca's on my second team. We don't have to debate on that. And I think we can come to agreement on the guard in the guard spot that Dame deserves that second team spot. He's just a, a notch below for me. Uh, those three guys based off of how up and down Portland has been all year. Um, but the numbers are incredible, and you know if those three guys didn't exist, he would be a first team, you know, all NBA player. But the problem is, is that there are so much talent in the NBA, and you just it feels like we're we're demoting him because he's had, uh, you know, you talked about Luka's numbers and how 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 greatly he's impacted the Mavericks. Well, Dame's kept the Blazers together uh, pretty much. That, you know, they had a lot of injuries this season, including C.J. McCollum, um, Nurkic. Every, you know, everybody felt like they were in and out of the lineup. Uh, for the Blazers, except for, and well, including Dame for a, a, a little bit of the season there, but it, he really kept them afloat, and they, they're not in the playing tournament right now. You know, they're in sixth seed in the Western Conference. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he's a second-team uh, guard for all NBA.
0: I'm with you, and I do think he was trending towards a, a first-team finish here, but because mm-hmm. of the way that he was playing when those guys were injured um particularly in the clutch like it, it just felt like every single Blazers game for about a month and a half was being decided on the last possession and then Dame would just you know do his thing hit a crazy 3 to win the game and he that team was outperforming based on what they should have been doing but he did fall off a little bit when they came back, and also the Blazers did, and they're only—it feels like they're just now starting to find their footing. So I think that stretch there kind of took some of the wind out of his sail, um, and that's the difference between being first team and second team. But yeah, he—I—that I, th- was an easy one for me, penciling him at
1: in, in second team guard. All right, third team All NBA. This is where it got a little bit tricky for me because there is a big. Pool. Wait, are we doing guards or are we finishing second guard, team guard? Uh, okay, yeah, we'll get to the forwards later. Uh, okay, third team All NBA guards. It was there's a big pool of talent there. Um, uh, There was a lot of names that I considered. Ultimately, I felt very comfortable without question putting Jimmy Butler there. Um, and I looked at him as a guard. That's what he I know he has the option to play forward as well But I looked at him as a guard. He's my third team guard. That's a that's a stone-cold lock for me The season that he's having has been incredible um, You know when he came back the heat started to look like the heat again uh, And I know that they've had some ups and downs even with him in the lineup But they're they're trending towards getting back to close to where they were to close the season a year ago And that's a scary thought for the teams in the Eastern Conference Um, And and Jimmy Butler's put up terrific numbers. He was a all NBA guy last year, I believe, and he is having a better season this year. So how can I leave him off? um, You know, given the fact that, you know, he he had a terrific season last year uh, is leading the league in steals. He's doing it both ends of the floor. I think he should be in consideration for all defense as well. The way that he's played. Uh, and you know he doesn't shoot threes anymore so that that has changed his game that's made him a little bit more efficient i think he's almost shooting 50 percent from the field now eliminating those three-point shots and he's still as clutch as it gets so give me jimmy butler for one of the guard spots the other one was a tough one because i I went through all the names earlier there are plenty of players you could put there bradley beal jalen brown devin booker donovan mitchell uh, James Harden, but I ultimately ended up with Kyrie Irving going there. Um, I think Kyrie Irving's season is is has gone under the radar because there was a lot of noise around him off the court. Um, we're talking about the most efficient season, one of the most efficient seasons of his career. He he, was, he still is close to 50-40-90 this year, 27 points per game, um, which would be a career high for him. And the Nets are going to finish you know second at worst in the Eastern Conference. I, I, I just think Kyrie Irving, even with the missed time, and when you, but when you compare him to the rest of the field that I had to work with, he, he's played enough games, in my opinion, to be in the conversation, and he, he deserves that sixth and final spot on my, uh, on my All-NBA list as a guard.
0: It is funny how DeMar DeRozan is similar in this way. I mean, he's, he's, he's very similar in this way, but it's funny how Jimmy Butler, like one of his few weaknesses throughout his career has been the three-point shot, and how mm-hmm. you think where the NBA is trending nowadays him not having a three, basically not being a threat from three point line would be a huge detriment to him. But it's just like he's just doubled down in the strength and he's a better player. Um, and like I said, DeMar DeRozan is the same thing, which is, I think, fascinating. Um, and Westbrook, particularly last season when the, the the Rockets kind of unleashed him as this this almost like point center um, for them at mm-hmm. time by just clearing out the paint, and letting him do what he does best. Uh, it, it is a fascinating development um, considering where the NBA is. We're in disagreement here. I don't have either of them at my guard spots. Um, okay. I, I went with James Harden for one of mine, and I know the argument against him is gameplay, games played, because he's only appeared in forty-two games this season. Also eight of those with the Rockets, and we don't have to kinda go on again about what happened there. But it, it, it was just he got he didn't he re- basically didn't play, let's say, the first two or three weeks of the season, and he's missed a big chunk of time lately. It's just it's hard for me because he was so good. He was so good with the Nets and he turned that team, that team looked like a, they still looked like a title contender, but they looked like they were trending towards being completely unbeatable when he joined that team. He he kind of molded his game, changed his game a little bit to fit in next to Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, and he was just, he was just absurd during that stretch to the point where I think we had him, I can't remember if it was fourth or fifth in our MVP ballot when we did kind of the MVP ladder um, before he got injured. Right. And Again, games play do matter, but I don't factor them in. I don't hold it against players the same way that I would for MVP, for example. And I also think that, like, if at some point in the season you are legit in the top five for the MVP ladder, and I know it's kind of arbitrary because, you know, no no one keeps track of this stuff of who was MVP of the league in December or January or February, but I do think that holds a little bit more weight to me and it's also to go with Kyrie not to take anything away from him because he's been absolutely incredible arguably the best season of his career the way that he's also changed his game to kind of fit next to James Harden and Kevin Durant he deserves a ton of credit for that it's just it's a little weird for me to have him in all an all NBA team when he's the third best player to me out of those 3 like does that make sense is that am i being yeah, too I, harsh I, there?
1: I am not i am not opposed to him being ranked. If you have to rank the three players, I think it's KD, I think it's Harden, and I think there's a distance right. between Kyrie and the other two guys. No question about it. I just games played for me matters it matters to a certain extent, and 34 games isn't just not enough. And by the time he comes back, all the hard, heavy lifting is already done. You know, he, when they were in the thick of things for that number one seed, he was—he wasn't playing in those games, and they were still in the mix. And it was Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I had to pick a net, and spoiler alert—he he was the one guy that I did end up picking uh, because of the games played. I, I think Kevin Durant missed too many games, and I think James Harden missed too many games. That's just my opinion. I couldn't—I could not give them the credit for the season that they had in such a small window and not take into account the guys that show up on a daily basis or show up at least more than they did uh, and, and and give them credit for games play. Like, Butler missed time. It felt like he missed more time than he did. He's, he's played in 60 games. The
0: Heat have also been incredible. Well, not incredible. They've been much better when he's been on the court, too, or the games that he's been available. Um, no, those are all fair arguments, but I still I think I have, have hardened penciled in at one of the guard positions. The other guard position, I, I went back and forth on because even someone like... Okay, I have Bradley Beal penciled in right now for the other guard position, Um, and I'm a little unsettled on it, but, I mean, there's no denying that Bradley Beal has been absolutely incredible this season. Almost, he's a hair behind Steph Curry. He's probably not going to catch him at this point for the scoring, um, as a scoring leader this season. We saw the other night, you know, he he just, he gets buckets and few players do as well as he does, Um, and he's been pretty consistent for the Wizards all season long. So as I said, I kind of have him penciled in there right now. That was the that was the last spot that I kind of filled in. Um, so I'm a little up in the air about it right now. And some of it could down, come down to the positional stuff because not to spoil it, but I do have Jimmy Butler on one of my teams. I just have him in at forward. Um, and right. I think someone like Paul George, for example, I think he's also guard eligible. So he could have been in this spot here. But
1: right. for now, I have Bradley Beal penciled in. Did you have any consideration for Russell Westbrook? I thought about it, um, so from that
0: perspective, I did have consideration, but it's just, he got off to such a slow start this season, he really did, that mm. um, as good as he's, as incredible as he's been lately, I, I just don't think that I could reward him over some of the other guys who are eligible at this spot.
1: So if it wasn't Russ, who was who was Bradley Beal fighting for for that final spot? Was it, was it Devin Booker or, or Donovan Mitchell or Jalen Brown even? Yeah, I mean
0: Kyrie as well. I gave Kyrie some consideration. Paul George for one of the guard spots, Devin Booker, um, Trey Young, even, Donovan Mitchell, like you said. I think him missing the amount of time that he did, especially lately, kinda kinda hurt him in that regard. Um also Ben Simmons, I, I feel like we do have to give him at least some consideration here just because of how impactful he's been he's I mean he's he's been I think Rudy Uribe is going to win, win defensive player of the year, but Ben Simmons has been the second best defender in the league this season. He can go to every great. single position. What I mean, what the I, other I'm just saying, other the floor? well, at the end of the floor, he's one of the best uh, passes in the league. Uh, but the but amount of offense he, that he creates for his teammates, he's are just going to ignore he's that having
1: now. Less, He's having less of an impact than he's, than he's had his entire uh, uh, career in the NBA on the offensive in the floor this season. He's, he's okay, not averaging he's never... the same amount of assists. He's not averaging the same amount of points. You you can watch him on a nightly. He's not even taking the same amount of shots. You can watch him on a nightly basis and feel that Ben Simmons – there's there's times where you forget Ben Simmons is on the floor offensively. It, there really is. And and I don't think that he should be in consideration. That's great. He's he's a, he's a an all-world defender, possibly one of the five best defenders in the NBA. Now, let me remove the possibly. He is one of the five best defenders pound for pound he is. in the NBA. So what? What is this? Tony Allen deserve to be on the all NBA, two because he was a great defender Or Bruce Bowen. Get out of here. Ben Simmons. Cut. You have to be able to do it on both ends of the floor. And this year he's been subpar offensively by his standards, not by mine, by his standards. Look, I,
0: I hear you. he's still averaging 14, seven assists and seven rebounds per game. Career lows. Um,
1: all career wait, lows.
0: So you have Chris Paul on your first team and he's averaging 16 points a game. His team, I'm, not, I'm his not comparing them from that perspective, by the way. Obviously, Chris Paul is a far superior offensive player than Ben Simmons. I'm not
1: gonna, I'm not gonna debate that. But to act like Ben Simmons does absolutely nothing offensively is ludicrous. I'm saying by his standards at this point in his career, there should be no reason why he's averaging those career lows. Chris Paul is not only is he leading the league in, 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 in free throw percentage. He's one of the clutchest players in the league right now. When the game's on the line, Chris Paul rises to the occasion. And, and we can we can go and, and look through some highlights from the entire year where Ben Simmons has one tip dunk against San Antonio in an overtime game. And that is the one play that you remember from the last five minutes of an NBA game with Ben Simmons this season. Sorry, that's not good enough. That's just not good enough.
0: I'm just saying, defense matters. He's been the second-best defensive player in the league this season. Um, I I think it's fair to say if you wanted one person – at the end of a game to, to kind of go defensively just to have on the court. I would probably choose him ahead of Rudy Gobert just because of what he can do defensively. He's basically sure. matchup proof. Um, I just think that stuff matters. And, yeah, I've been underwhelmed by him offensively. He had that that scoring outburst against the Jazz, which <laughs> seemed more personal than anything else. Um, and it's and it's nice like sense. that. It's nice like that when you watch him and you're just like, I wish you could channel that aggression every night might be asking too much, but way more than he does. I just still think the defense matters so much. And if you're gonna, you know, because it matters so much, you have to give credit. I'm not saying I I gave him legitimate consideration for a third team spot. There's probably three guys,
1: at least that I had ahead of him. Um, But I did at least think about him when I was putting together this list. Anytime you start a sentence with, I wish I could see more of this, from a player that you're considering for all NBA, you can put a pen through him and his name and say, get him off the list. There shouldn't be the, the league. I, I started to say by how great the league is, talent rich the league is. If we are asking ourselves, I wish we can see more of this from a player, they shouldn't be in the conversation for all. I, I wish That's I could I'll see. Say
0: I wish I would see Steph Curry take 23s a night. How
1: about <laughs> that? And not, he's nah, on our first team guard position. It, it, but the, the thing is, if he was going to take 23s, he's going to make 10 of them. That'd be, that'd be Exactly. I
0: wish he took 20. I wish he did it every single night because he probably would.
1: Yeah, that would be great for the league and, and everybody involved. All right, let's go to the fours quickly. First team, I think it was easy for me. Um, Giannis is a lock. I don't know if you'd probably be drinking if you fill out your ballot and did not put Giannis on the first team as a lock. The dude just won back-to-back league MVPs, and he's still having similar numbers. There's no way you can bump bump him off. And then when you talk about two-way play, he's still one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Uh, He's a top-five player in the NBA. The numbers uh, offensively are are similar, Uh, if not... Um, in some departments better than his last two uh, MVP seasons. He's become more of a playmaker. I could go on and on and on. Giannis is a lock as a first-team forward. The other one for me, I I did have a little bit of – I I thought I was going to struggle with it, but once I looked into it, the clarity came really quickly, and that other player is Kawhi Leonard. He is a a lock for me as a first-team forward here. Um, The only thing that ever holds Kawhi Leonard back or any time you ever have to have a conversation about whether or not to put Kawhi Leonard on the first team – all NBA is when you look at the games played and if if we're looking at it he's, he's played 50 games he's gonna be you know it's a 60 72 game season that's right on par with the years before where he uh you know missed 20 some odd games um and was in the conversation for being first team all NBA but it's not just that it's the, it's the efficiency that he's gone to this year and also his playmaking I remember you Scott when he arrived in Toronto Uh, You writing an article about how good he's become as a playmaker and that season it was a career high for him in terms of assists per game or or, or close to a career high for him in terms of assists per game at 3.3 for the season the dudes up to five assists daily uh, on, on a regular basis. And it, that is a career hard this season for him. Um, his efficiency, he's shooting over 50% from the field. Uh, he's knocking down the triple. He's working on a uh, you know a 50, 40, we'll call it 89 season. He, he was working on a 90 season, um, but started to decline some free throws here as of late. It has been awesome to see Kawhi Leonard on the floor, both ends of the floor, and when he does play. And he, he's playing at such a high level. And I think... He kind of goes under the radar because he's so good and we're so used to it until we get to the playoffs and then we're reminded this dude looks like Michael Jordan sometimes.
0: Yeah, and the impressive thing about his playmaking too is that his, his turnover rates basically stayed the same. Like there's, It's not like he's doubling his assists nearly and then his turnovers is also increasing. Um, it's basically remained the same. And he's still not I, – I wouldn't say he's like a nat- natural passer, but it's just it's the matter of like you can't double team him as aggressively as you used to be able to because now he will make that that skip pass to the other side of the court um mm-hmm. things like that and it really does round him out as an offensive player and i'm really excited to see what he does in the playoffs because i remember I mean, last year, that first round series against the, the Mavs, it kind of looked like he was gearing up to do the same thing that he did with Toronto. And it looked mm-hmm. like he was the best player in basketball again. And then obviously that second round series against the Nuggets happened. So I'm excited to see kind of what he has in store for the playoffs this year. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because I'm with you. I, that was easy for me to have, to for Kawhi to be one of the locks and Giannis the other. Giannis, it, it does feel like he's been kind of slept on. He's just had another incredible season. He's basically just putting up the same numbers that he did in right. his back-to-back MVP seasons, which is outrageous, and still one of the most impactful defenders in the league, I don't think he's going to be a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year this season. Um, but I, I think he probably will make. He'll definitely make an All Defensive Second Team, um, and I think he'll probably make a First Team as well.
1: Cool. We'll move to second for yep. me: Ford's, LeBron James, uh, and. Paul George, um, LeBron LeBron. We know we know what he does. We know what he brings to the table. Yes, he's missed a couple games here and there, uh, but I'm not going to hold it against him. He was in the MVP discussion before he got hurt. And on the PG13 side, I mean, a dude, like we just talked about, Kawhi Leonard kind of flying under the radar for the season he's having. I think people just – the the average basketball fan just has still has that picture of Paul George hitting the side of the backboard in Game 7 against the Denver Nuggets, which really hasn't been the case for him this season. It, this is the most efficient he's been uh, all year. He was previously working on a 50-40-90 season, but he's still shooting 41% from three-point range for the second year in a row. Uh, he's shooting over you know 47% from the field. He's getting it done. His again – when you talk about playmaking, his assists are up. He's up over five, and I think it has that credit has to do with you know go to Tyron Lue for putting both Paul George and Kawhi into situations where they can be better facilitators, but also the credit has to go to Paul George for the work that he's put in, um, and he's really been good. I think, and then defensively, he's back to where I think he was prior to arriving in uh in LA. The last season I think he took a slip slightly defensively. This season he's back to where he was once upon a time and uh he, he's 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 the guy. He's a good two-way stud, so he's my second uh, forward here on on the uh, second team.
0: Yeah, this is where this is where it gets tricky cuz I have LeBron James in one of the forward spots. Um, but we we did a little little debate on NBA.com about 10 days ago on whether or not Julius Randle should make All-NBA this season. And this is what I got down to. I was like, Kawhi and Giannis and LeBron, in my eyes, are basically locks at the forward positions. And then that leaves three forward spots up for grabs between guys like Julius Randle, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Zion Williamson, um, Kem Durant as well, which who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. This is one of those that I feel like I'm not going to feel good about until the season's actually done and we can kind of look back on everything. Even though that's only a few days away, but right now I have to going through this. And I will say, by the way, we don't have a ballot. And if we did have a ballot, I would spend even more time in this than I than I did going into this today. But right now, my gut kind of says Julius Randall for that other forward spot. Um, I mean, he's surprised absolutely everyone this season. The numbers that he's putting up on a nightly basis, the efficiency that he's doing it with, and how he's kind of led the Knicks, a team that everyone expected to to kind of be in the lottery this season, not Mm -hmm. just make the playoffs, but potentially be that fourth seed in the Eastern Conference and host a first-round series. Um, And defensively, too, the Knicks have been one of the best teams in the league this season, um, and he's been a big part of that. So I, I really do I really do think we're kind of splitting hairs at this point. Like, you could talk me into Jimmy Butler being in the spot. You could talk me into Jason Tatum being in the spot. I would hit listen to the argument for Zion being in this spot as well because of how good he's Not been me. offensively. But I just think all around, um, the way that he's played on both ends of the court this season, how he's been New York's primary option, both as a scorer but also as a playmaker. Um, Julius Randle just having him on the second team here felt
1: right to me. All right. Not mad at it because I have him on my third team. When we get to okay. the third team uh, forwards, Julius Randle is a lock to me. Uh, for all the things that you said. Uh, and this is a, we're talking about a team that's in the top four in the Eastern Conference, and he is largely the reason why. Um, so I, I went with Julius Randall on my third team, and I don't think there's much debate about it. I think he deserves an all-NBA spot, all things considering. And I think when we look back on it, we'll feel good about it. Um, you know, not only just in the end of the season, but 10 years from now, saying that he deserved it because th- th- this season that he's having has been incredible. Is it sustainable? We'll find out. But this year, we're, we're ranking him this year, and this year he absolutely deserves it. Second spot on the third team, I tossed it up. I really did. Uh, I ended up going with Jason Tatum. Um, okay. I-, I think that Jason Tatum, last year he makes all NBA, and he comes back this year and has a better season. Defensively, he has slipped up a little bit. Uh, Last year, he was like really a a great defender, on ball defender, off ball defender. He was terrific. Like, he took a step. when, When he made that turn right before the All Star break into the superstar that we know he is now, it wasn't just on the offensive end, it was defensively as well. And I don't think a lot of people paid attention to that. Like, I had. I had really thought to myself, man, he's he's approaching you know Jalen Brown territory, Marcus Smart territory as being well, uh, one of their best defenders on the team. This year, he's taken a slip on that side of the ball. I will say that, but his offense is is better. Uh, you, you know, he's he's asked to do more. The usage rate is up. He, he's been more efficient. He's averaging more points uh, naturally with the usage rate going up. And with all the chaos going on in Boston, I think he's been the one consistent player uh, that they can count on to give you buckets. And then also, he's shown up in a clutch. That's the one thing that Jason Tatum has has done in the last couple of seasons is when there's a big shot to be taken, he's the one that's taking it. And you, you feel good, I think, if you're a Celtic fan with Jason Tatum having the ball in his hands down the stretch of a basketball game. I did consider Zion. I did consider Chris Middleton. I even considered Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant's played 31 games, and as great as he's been, he's been terrific in those 31 games. That's just not enough for me to put him on uh, third-team All-NBA when you know there's guys out there busting their butt on back-to-back nights and everything else. Um, so I, I did held, hold the lack of gameplay against Kevin Durant. He would have been my third-team All-NBA forward had he played at least 50 games because I think the numbers and everything else would have been there but I went with Jason Tatum and I did not have Zion because I do consider winning to be a factor as great as the numbers are they're, they're, they feel empty if your team isn't winning and every every time I watch a pelican game and you tell me if I'm wrong about this you hear no matter what the broadcast is or someone brings up the pelicans you hear the phrase I don't know why this team isn't winning with the talent that they have And when you look at when you look at their roster on paper, or just the fact that they have two all-stars in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, and I'm not saying that they should be at the top of the Western Conference, but to be as far back as they are, it, you know, as far away from the playing tournament as they are, and I know injuries had a little to do with that, but it, even when they were healthy, it felt like they could never figure it out. I'm sorry, I just couldn't have Zion. He'll make a plenty of All NBA teams, but this year's not the one. Hey, don't count, the, the Pelicans haven't been eliminated yet? So don't, don't count them out. Um, I mean, they're, they're still... eliminated. Zion's <laughs> not even playing games. He's not even playing games. They're eliminated. Look, look By the I'll way, tell Hornets, you, Hornets. Hornets. This is a tangent. The Hornets uh, should be embarrassed losing their game that game the other night to the Pelicans. They should they should be embarrassed of themselves. No Zion. No Steve Adams. No Brandon Ingram, and they and they had to lead, I think, double digits and lost that game. They, should, they They deserve to the play in the play-in tournament every step of the way. That's a, a win you just can't give away. So that's how I feel about the Pelicans and where Zion is right now. I mean, the
0: reason the Pelicans aren't better is because their roster doesn't make any sense. Don't, don't you think that's fair?
1: But they have good players. They shouldn't be as bad as sure, they are. Sure, but they don't fit together. But they I, shouldn't I, be as bad as they are. That's all I'm saying. If okay. you, there's 10 teams that make the playoffs. The, the fact that this is the second year in a row we have this play-in tournament made for quote-unquote Zion, and he's missing it for two years in a row, I, I come on now how many we, we can't give him a pass every time All right, we don't have to,
0: we don't have to to go on about this because i don't have zion on my team i he was he might have been my toughest cut to be honest just because offensively he is so incredible and by the way when we're going back to talking about positions and how Joel Embiid is somehow forward eligible i believe zion is only forward eligible um and yet he also kind of Place point guard for them. Um, Giannis is another one. I think Giannis is only eligible at forward and center, but like he does everything for the Bucks. And I think really he's someone who could be guard eligible as well if you really want to push the boundaries for this stuff. Um, which is why I I think we're trending towards, I think we're just trending towards there being no positions in the future. But, um, anyway, that's that's a conversation for a different day. Zion, absolutely incredible season. I'm a huge fan of his. He is probably the most dominant paint scorer that we've seen since Shaq. Um, the guy wants to get left every single time down the court and yet nobody can stop him. No matter if you have a center on him, a guard on him, a forward on him, he's just going to bulldoze his way to the basket. He's too quick. He's too strong. Um, he is, you know, a superstar. Uh, but it, it's just for me, what this came down to is I, I try for all NBA. I do value like you, I value winning. And I also lean towards guys who make a two way impact. So like you said, Jason Tatum, even if you do think he slipped off a little bit defensively this season, he's still a very good defender. Um, Not even you talking about kind of the jump that he made during All-Star or before All-Star last year. I thought he made a leap in the bubble in the playoffs as well, particularly as a playmaker. Like some of the reads that he was making as the primary ball handler for that Celtics team, kind of manipulating um, double teams, the backline of the defense. He's doing that a lot more this season. And his assistive increased from 3 to 4.4, which isn't like a massive jump, but I do think he has made a leap as a playmaker. And like you said, scoring numbers are still there. He is that primary option. I do feel like those types of players are the hardest to evaluate for the NBA because whether they've been the most disappointing or one of the most disappointing teams this season, um, the Celtics have just fell way below expectations and it's hard to know how much to kind of attribute that to like, how much to hold that against Tatum. And And for me personally, I don't, they're still in the playoffs. They're still in the playoff mix. How far they go. I don't know. The injury to Jalen Brown is a huge blow to them in that regard, but it's, it's hard to know kind of players in that range and Jimmy Butler too, um, to be fair, because the heat are only a few games ahead of them. But, um, Jason Tatum just had a terrific season, two ways, um, taking kind of another little leap. And then the other forward position, I already kind of hinted at it. I have Jimmy Butler there. Like you were saying, he's probably had the most underrated season. It, it really, it's one of those things. Like I, I didn't, I watch a lot of the heat and it wasn't until like two weeks ago or something that I actually just looked up his stats for something. And and it, it really did blow my mind. Like he's very clearly having the best season of his career and it really feels like no one is talking about it. Um, like you alluded to earlier, I think he's going to be on an all-defensive team. He is that good on that end of the floor. He drives everything on both ends, really, for the heat. Um, so for me, I had him at one of the forward spots here. And... I like you having Paul George on your second team, like that's where I kind of feel like I might put him into that second guard spot instead of Bradley Beal um, just because it it does feel weird to not have him on this list. But I also don't know if how I feel about having two clippers because Kawhi is very clearly the best player on that team. We had him on our first team. But that, that's that's one of those players as well that I didn't really know what to do with. But I just think the way that Julius Randle has impacted their next team and how they've surpassed expectations – the two-way player jimmy butler and jason tatum and how they're basically both having the best seasons of their career they're both all-stars they both made all nba teams in the past it, it I, I i gave them the edge over paul george for that forward spot but but like i said maybe i'd slide him into that guard spot just to, to kind of keep him on here
1: so yeah is there anyone else that you considered i did consider chris like i said chris middleton zion mm-hmm. and KD for that last spot um, I don't think there's an argument to made to be made about Julius Randall. I, I felt iffy about Tatum. Um, but then after, you know, sitting back and being like, all right, this is the field that he has to compete against. And then looking his numbers up and, and saying to myself, he's having a better season than he had a year ago. And wasn't all an NBA, you know, performer a year ago. How can I leave yeah. him off? Like, it'd be, it'd be crazy to leave him off. So, uh, I, who'd you consider if, if, if you were to remove, uh, or move, uh, PG to the guard, Who's, who's getting that sixth spot? Is it Zion?
0: Yeah, I Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean I I really, the K, KD is just so hot. He he just hasn't played enough games. But, I mean, I already said it with, it's, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because I said, you know, James Harden was in the MVP conversation at one point. And anytime someone is like that, I feel like you, they, they, they should make one of these all NBA teams. And Kevin Durant at the start of the season was in our MVP ladder. I mean, we were talking about him as an MVP candidate. And like I said with Dame, like he was trending that way before these kind of injuries hit and everything like that. But I, if you play less than half the season or, or 31 games or whatever he's appeared in, that, that just doesn't feel like enough, um, and I really think James Harden's a pit in, is it 10 more games or something like that, but that mm-hmm. difference I feel like it, it is enough, um, and I also think there wasn't quite as much competition for that third-team spot um, as there was in the forward spot, so... Katie doesn't really have an argument, but I think he does deserve a shout out because he's been unreal this season. And it's crazy to think that he's coming back from an Achilles injury, which we all thought would just kind of be—it's like the injury to end all careers—and he's basically back. Like shrugged it off, like it never even happened, um, and suddenly that's no longer a concern. So, I yeah, I do think it was probably Zion. Um, It it really did hurt to leave him off. He's just been unreal (laughs) all season long. And like I said, the scoring gets the attention, but the, the playmaking as well. They really have you know running pick and rolls and things like that. Um, he's made like a genuine leap this season and uh, it it is crazy to think that you know he only recently basically played like a season's worth of basketball games and he's already a no-brainer all-star potential All NBA candidate and this I mean he should only get better from here on out so like you said he's gonna make plenty all-NBA teams in the future um, as long as he stays healthy but but, yeah, it, it, it was tricky leaving him off here. But Paul George as well. I, again, it, I don't know what I'm going to do. That forward and guard spot is, is is really hard, and he's one of the players who maybe I do bump, bump Bradley Beal out for him because he's he's had a terrific season.
1: Well, here's the news here for you, Scott. You can't change your mind. You're now locked into the, to the 15 names you just gave here on <laughs> WAX. Uh, that's who you have. That is uh, now living forever in podcast land and also live show land. Here on the NBA Global Networks on NBA Sound System. Uh, Reminder we'll be back next week, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, for another live show. And Also, um, there's a lot of basketball going on this weekend, Scott. We have the WNBA tip-off happening May 14th. You mentioned the return of Kevin Durant from an Achilles injury. Well, Brianna Stewart returned from an Achilles injury a season ago, and all she did was lead her team to an WNBA championship and then went over to Europe and did the same thing there uh, and, and claimed the Final Four MVP over in the EuroLeague uh, woman. So, She's back and looks like uh, an absolute beast. She's one of the, she is the best player in the world, in my opinion, and I can't wait to see her and the rest of the league get it started uh, this Friday on the fourteenth. And then also the BAL, the the uh, Basketball Africa League, will get started. Uh, on the 16th eastern time uh, may 16th which is the final day of the regular season in the nba uh, it might be crazy hours it might be like at 3 a.m eastern time for for some of these games but you know shout out to jay cole who's about to drop an album and play in that league so a lot of a lot of news going around uh the nba and the nba families this weekend if you're a basketball junkie you can uh, you could catch it all uh, and we'll, we'll be sure to recap some of that next week when we get back here on NBA Sound System. Maybe we'll do all uh, all defensive teams next week and, and increase your uh, stress level about that one. Yeah, Colin, next what week are you here?
0: do you not want me to sleep like what are you trying to do to me
1: <laughs> anxiety r- rip my hair out. Say that, you know you're like a laker fan right now they're kind of anxious over there in la <laughs> so you could you could relate um for scott rafferty i am carlin gay if you missed any part of the live show you can catch it on the podcast feed nba sound system wherever you get your podcasts have a great week